little update. Um, we were a little low at the beginning of the year budget-wise, but have been trying to keep you up to date on where that's headed, and that has continued to improve the last several months. So I just want to say thank you again for your generosity. The giving has uh, continued to increase, so thank you, um, and, and keep it up, right? Please keep it up. That helps. Uh, that bullet, bulletin, on the back of the bulletin, this little program, it has the information on where we are financially. It just kind of keeps you up to date week to week there. Um, another update as well, our our international church planting intern is here. I don't see him, though. Are you here? I don't see where you are. Stand up. There you are. All right. We're going to introduce Marcus Deppner. Give him a hand. All right. And give, a, give him a, a hug or a handshake. What do people do in Germany? What's appropriate? Is hugging okay? Okay. I didn't want to be too touchy. A holy hug or high five, okay? Remember what we learned in First Thessalonians, all right? Um, and I think we've got some of our, a lot of our global outreach partners are going to be coming in week after week. Do we have any others here right now? Uh, Stephen, you're not a global outreach partner. Vanderwerfs. Oh, there they are. I can't see you. are in the very back. Okay, stand up. Give them a holy hug or handshake as well. All right. They're going to be here for a little while. We've got just a bunch coming in this summer. We're excited about that. Thankful that we get to partner with people all over the world as we share the good news of Jesus with others. Uh, we are continuing our second Thessalonians study, Stand Strong, Stand Strong. So we have a picture of a boxer. That's to inspire you towards endurance. It's not to inspire you towards uh, belligerence and fighting people, right? But, but to fight for the faith, to fight to believe, to fight to endure, uh, as we saw last week. And so this week we're looking at kind of the end of chapter 1, 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 5 through 10. I'm actually going to read 4 because... 5 through 10 is based on verse 4, so we have to kind of go back to that verse from last week, Um, and we're calling it Hope in Jesus. If you don't have a Bible, we've placed them under the chairs. We'll be on page 989. You can grab one of those black Bibles and turn to page 989, and I'm going to read the passage from 2 Thessalonians 1, again, starting in, in verse 4 through verse 10. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. We talked about that a little bit last week. Paul is praising them, boasting about their endurance. That is a sign of real faith when we actually endure difficult things and continue to trust in in Jesus. And then now he's going to go on to explain and and get into some weird stuff this week, okay? So here we go, verse 5. This, your endurance, this is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. When he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed, because our testimony to you was believed. I'm going to stop there. Um, We'll continue with the rest of that passage next week. But before I pray, I want to read a quote from Miroslav Volf. He's a famous theologian from Croatia. Um, I think some of y'all have been in that part of the world. Uh, There was a lot of civil war years ago there, a lot of uh, tribal warfare uh, racial warfare, genocide, um, and so he has experience in injustice, 
Wolf has experienced in affliction and trauma and, and bad things that happen to people. And he writes with the kind of big thesis that because God will take vengeance, we don't personally have to take vengeance. He would say that's the, that's the theological principle. And he is contrasting that theological principle with because God never takes vengeance, we should never take vengeance. See, those are, those are kind of two views of, of being non-vengeful gospel people, right? One is we don't have to be vengeful because vengeance is mine, says the Lord. There's another theology that's developed that says, you know what? That was this old grumpy God in the Old Testament. Now the New Testament God is happy and he never gets mad at people and we should never get mad at people. And we shouldn't care about injustice. We should just let it go. Wolf says that's kind of like something that only spoiled suburban people would articulate. Um, So let me read a quote from him. He says, my thesis that the practice of nonviolence requires a belief in divine vengeance will be unpopular with many Christians, especially theologians in the West. He's, He's talking about us, the West. To the person who is inclined to dismiss it, I suggest imagining that you are delivering a lecture in a war zone, which is where a paper that underlines what he's saying was originally delivered. Among your listeners are people whose cities and villages have been first plundered, then burned and leveled to the ground, whose daughters and sisters have been raped, whose fathers and brothers have had their throats slit. The topic of the lecture a Christian attitude toward violence. The thesis, we should not retaliate since God is perfect, non-coercive love. Soon you would discover that it takes the quiet of a suburban home for the birth of the thesis that human nonviolence corresponds to God's refusal to judge. In a scorched land soaked in the blood of the innocent, it will invariably die. And as one watches it die, one will do well to reflect about many other pleasant captivities of the liberal mind. So Wolf is arguing that our God takes vengeance, and there will be a final reckoning. And I wanted to start with that and just kind of put it out on the table, because I recognize in our culture that's a very unpopular idea. Um, And so hopefully by the end of it, you'll be convinced. You'll be convinced that this God is right in all that he does. And I just want to say, if if you struggle with this idea, I I recognize it's, I think it's hard for a lot of us in our culture. Um, we, We don't like the idea of of God's vengeance. It's a scary idea. I would argue one of the reasons it's most scary is because we recognize that we deserve vengeance ourselves. Um, I would say another area to watch out for is is thinking that other people deserve God's vengeance, but you don't. That's a really dangerous category to live in. So there's a lot of different things going on today. I'm going to pray for us. Um, As I said, these are hard ideas. Uh, I believe we need the spirit to even be able to listen, right? To even just put our defenses down and listen to what his word says. Let me pray for us. God, we pray that you would teach us this morning. We pray that you would help us to see your goodness, your righteousness, even in judgment, something that uh, is often looked very uh, badly upon in our culture. And so we pray that you'd help us to see that you are just in your judgment and that you are good and that you are merciful. We thank you and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So as we talk about the idea of hoping in Jesus, what Paul is arguing is one of the ways you're going to endure, one of the ways that you, believer, are going to continue to believe through difficulty is actually believing that someday God's going to come back and make it right. God's going to come back and and wipe out the wicked and save those who have trusted in his mercy. Now again, Christian theology says that we are all wicked. There are just those of us that deny it and think we can do life on our own, and then there are those of us that say, yeah, I I need a Savior. I need forgiveness. 
the way it's phrased in 1 John 4.19 is if you say you have no sin, you are a liar. You're lying when you say you have no sin. But if you confess, if you say the same thing as God, like, I, I am a sinner, I do need your forgiveness, he's faithful and just. He will forgive you. He'll cleanse you of your unrighteousness. So the Christian theology of, of judgment and forgiveness is that we are all under judgment as a blanket, and then if we trust in Jesus, the judgment, the right judgment of God is poured out on Jesus instead of us. Now again, not necessarily a popular idea, but that's the idea that's on the table for us today. I want to encourage you to consider that idea, consider this Jesus and hoping in him. The first thing that we want to see as we think about hoping in Jesus as a way to endure is that we have to actually hope in his judgment. That's the hardest idea. That's the idea Paul is leading with here. We see it in verse 5. He says, this is evidence. Your endurance is evidence of the righteous judgment of God. There in verse 5. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God. That's hard for us. Why? Because um, it sounds a little judgy, right? It sounds a little judgy to say God has righteous judgment. Um, so we just have to kind of, again, set our prejudices aside and say, okay, there, this is the God of the universe. He sees all. He knows all. He's righteous. He's not selfish like me. And he's not missing information like I am, right? When I come to judge a situation, I don't know everybody's hearts. I don't have all the facts. I don't see everything. So I'm a, I'm a very uh, finite judge of things. But God is infinite. He's all-knowing and he's all-righteous. So verse 5, this is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you. So number one, um, one of the evidences of his judgment or one of the definitions of his judgment is repaying those who afflict us. Um, again, that, that seems anti-gospel in our head. That seems that's not like the forgiving, loving thing. Um, but he's saying in this world there are those who will be repaid and then there are those who trust in Jesus who was paid in our place who took the punishment that we deserve. So God, it's not that God doesn't believe in punishment, it's that he gives himself to take that punishment in our place through Jesus. So you're either accepting the punishment Jesus takes or you're refusing that and, and taking punishment upon yourself. So God considers it, verse 6, just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. So there's this concept of Jesus coming the first time in grace, in gentleness, in the giving of himself, and then Jesus returning in judgment, in judgment. The picture that we see at the end of Revelation, he's, he's, he's coming with his, his robe drenched in blood, the, the king of kings. And so Paul, again, is saying that will help us to endure. That will help us to keep going, to keep being faithful, to keep trusting in Jesus, Keep walking forward because we trust someday he's going to make all things right. That's what we're trusting in. Not this other kind of, as Wolf was talking about, this other thesis that some Christians would articulate uh, of grace that means God kind of doesn't care, right? Like God just sweeps everything under the rug. No, he cares, and and justice will come, and justice is either going to be poured out on the wicked or it's poured out on Jesus. Those are really the only two payments for evil in this world. So it, it says in verse 7, look at verse 7 again. He's granting relief to you who are afflicted as well to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed. And that is another thing that I think Paul and Jesus wants us to take hope in. We're hoping in his judgment because somehow there's relief for us in the just judgment of God. So God is coming back to judge, and that's going to be relief for those of us that are, that are trusting in his grace. 
trusting in his mercy. So again, think about in your own life, when you see things that are going wrong, 